Welcome into this episode of the Hopeless Sports Minded Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and NFL free agency is officially underway. We've seen some big moves, especially involving the quarterback position, a couple of key defensive players that really are incredibly distinguished within their franchises now moving to uh, the opposite conference. And in the case of Bobby Wagner, we don't know. We got Russell Wilson going to Denver, Carson Wentz going to Washington, this whole Calvin Ridley situation going on, and we've got a couple of extensions, plenty of NFL news on this episode of the Hopeless Sports Mated Podcast. So we'll jump right in with definitely, I think, the biggest move so far. We have Russell Wilson going to the Broncos for Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, the ninth overall pick in the draft, the 40th overall pick in the draft, a first-round pick in next year's draft, a second-round pick in next year's draft, and a fifth-round pick in next year's draft, along with Russell Wilson. I do want to cover that Denver will be getting a fourth-round pick from this current draft uh, along with um, Russell Wilson. So this is... Definitely not where I think a lot of us saw Russell Wilson ending up. I think we all saw that Seattle is now entering into that rebuilding stage. The Legion of Boom, I think, is officially uh, disbanded. R- Richard Sherman is gone. Cam Chancellor has long since been retired. Brandon Browner. And with the release of Bobby Wagner, I think we can say that it's 100% gone. There is the only thing, I guess, remaining from that is Pete Carroll as the head coach, but this is a move that we've we've seen this work for Denver in the past. This is how they were able to get Peyton Manning in, and they eventually went to a Super Bowl and then won a Super Bowl with Peyton. Now, granted, he was definitely at the ta- it was in his last season, and they were very defensive driven. But I still think that um, lock, uh, locker room leadership from a veteran quarterback like that was a big reason they were able to win that Super Bowl and make the uh, playoff run with, led by Von Miller in that uh, tremendous defense. But with those picks that puts Seattle into the territory of possibly getting a quarterback, although I doubt with how they're going into a full rebuild, I would really expect them to just go with the best player available. Pop probably ends up being a, a defensive back or an edge rusher based on what the projections end up for this draft. And I think they go all in on trying to get a quarterback next year where I anticipate them to have a pretty early pick themselves, uh, not to mention um, some of this extra draft capital that they'll have from Denver, which Denver being in the AFC West, you never really know how that situation shakes out. Now we can see with this um unorthodox playoff format now with the expanded playoffs in the NFL. Maybe a team like San Francisco ends up as a wild card team, doesn't have the best regular season record, but they push that into a deep playoff run and kind of hurt the uh, trade suitor on the opposite end. As part of Denver's schedule, they play the NFC West and the AFC South. So if the best we can predict, we still don't have the draft, obviously, and free agency is just now getting underway, so we really don't know, can, nor can we predict what these rosters and standings are going to be like at the end of the season, but the AFC South has been particularly down, and at the same time, the NFC West is arguably the best division in football, so I think that kind of levels it out to where we're not going to really see a chance of 
uh, kind of what with a Philadelphia situation where a team has spoon fed some really high picks based on the fact that a trade suitor doesn't really work out in that regard. Uh, so, but we, we never know. The, the, there's a uh, a lot of moves to be made, a lot of uh, shakeup that has to take place. I just always like to keep in mind where those future draft picks end up, where we see. Detroit, uh, that trade has definitely worked out a lot more on the Los Angeles side for considering that the Rams won the Super Bowl. So as part of that, the Lions end up with the 32nd pick in the draft rather than a pick uh, much earlier. As far as the cap situation, obviously, given Russell Wilson's contract for the next couple of years, good chunk of that co- of that team's cap space is taken up by a quarterback his cap hit is 24 million this year and 27 million in the 2023 season and he has those two years remaining on his contract heading into his age 34 season so this is if you're a Broncos fan this is kind of a chance to be excited because we've seen you've seen this work in the past and this is definitely the norm in terms of winning teams there's something with Denver and aging quarterbacks winning them Super Bowls. So I would definitely be on the positive end of that spectrum if I was um, a fan in the AFC West. Now, biggest thing, I guess, in terms of the entire media shakeup is this loads the AFC West with quarterbacks like we've never really seen before in any other division ever. You have Russell Wilson in Denver, Justin Herbert in uh, Los Angeles, I almost say San Diego at this point every time, but you got those two guys as well. You have Derek Carr, and then, of course, you have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes, um, really uh, loading up that defense, loading up, um, I guess, the fear for those defenses. Now, the interesting move, I think, which you cannot convince me isn't a direct response to the trade that we saw yesterday happen today, but we'll get into that a little bit later as well. The other quarterback move, we see Carson Wentz going to the Washington Commanders for a third round pick this year and a 2023 third round pick that can convert to a second round pick based on some incentives. Now, I don't think we have the details yet on that situation, but that's... Um, I, it's it's I I don't get it from a Washington perspective. I don't see it as even a in terms of skill and consistency. I like Heineke, Taylor Heineke more than I do Carson Wentz. And even if the ceiling is higher for Carson Wentz, I I I'm always gonna push consistency over a a boomer bust situation unless you're in a draft scenario where you can really develop a guy and you have it I think a lot more control over your own destiny in that situation. So we we've seen the the time in Indianapolis for Carson Wentz lasts one season doesn't really work out for them. They lose some draft picks. They end up in with a um let, uh, not a horrible cap actually greatly improved their cap situation with this trade with how Philadelphia was eating up a lot of the dead cap from his from Wentz's MVP year contract that he signed, but I I guess they they are really hoping for some development on that end, and I think they see the the that 
Taylor Heineke's only going to get this team so far. Now, I would love to see um, the Washington really go after some receivers in this draft. I think you have to have another guy outside of Terry McLaurin. Now, we've seen some pretty good tight end play from Logan Thomas, but he also has missed sometimes along with Ricky Seals-Jones. So I think that's gonna they're definitely going to be one of those teams that goes heavy in the receiver department, especially with how Ron Rivera has that very established, consistent defense, maybe lacking a little bit in the back end, but I definitely think priority number one is going to be improving the offensive side of the ball for them. So overall in this trade, I don't really like to say that a team wins or loses a trade um, before we've seen a gameplay, but if I have to, I really don't get this from a Washington perspective. And now Indianapolis is sitting here with... $62 $62 million, $69 million in cap space, uh, sorry, but that still leaves them with, by a pretty wide margin, with the most cap space in the league. Now, the issue that they have is that cap space is created by getting rid of your quarterback. It's very hard to attract free agents and offensive players in general when you don't really have a quarterback situation figured out and you don't have an early draft pick to go and get a rookie quarterback. Now, they are still a run-first team with Jonathan Taylor really emerging this past year behind that great offensive line led by Quentin Nelson. But I think what we've seen with Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford being the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, some of these deep runs that these teams have made, this is this is a quarterback-driven league. You have to, If you want to win a Super Bowl, you have to have a top-notch quarterback. And I think that's going to dissuade some teams from some free agents from going to Indianapolis outside of the fact that not to offend anybody from that area, but if you want to build your brand, if kind of your social media outlook is something that you factor in as a free agent, Indianapolis is not really the city to do that. They've done a great job of hosting the combine over the past uh, few years, if not decades, but definitely not the beach scene, not the, the summer time weather year round like you might get like from a Los Angeles or a Miami and with Miami also being a team that has a ton of cap space as well to really rebuild this roster but this is a very puzzling situation I think you're going to have to be a bit of a salesman if you're in the Indianapolis front office in order to get guys to come in and if we don't I think this is definitely a possible make-or-break year for Frank Reich and this coaching staff, and we might see Jim Ursay, the owner, come in and clean house if we don't, if they don't see the results that he's looking for. I think at the very least, you have to make at least look like a decent wild card team, if not win an AFC South division that outside of the Tennessee Titans is still looking very weak at this point in time. Next, we're going to talk about the latest receiver signing we saw, um, kind of a pair of moves, and uh, segue that into the other move made by the Chargers. But this first move made yesterday was giving Mike Williams an extension. He got three years, $60 million. The cap hits in this year, for the cap hits over the next three years will be $14 million in this this year. 19 million next year and then 27 million in year 3 of that contract. And I think this is kind of 
what we're going to still see, um, kind of the remnants of COVID still affecting the cap situations for some of these teams, forcing guys to really push money down the line. I think teams are really going to start banking on the cap, the uh, salary cap re- elevating a lot after this year in terms of the COVID recovery. So I think if you're going to in free agency, a lot of these first years, typically you see a lot of these have signing bonuses that don't have the cap hit being particularly large in year one. But I think that's going to be emphasized even more this year because of the um, kind of smaller salary cap than anticipated years before with it being at around, I believe, $208 million is the salary cap. Now, in terms of what this does, this gives Justin Herbert his go-to weapon long-term, a long period of time together to where they'll be able to continue to make plays. And hopefully if the run defense and the defense in general for the Chargers can improve, maybe they can turn things around in the AFC West. Now this, I think because of the Maybe it's the lack of media exposure with the Rams being the primary team in Los Angeles or just the lack of team success in general. I think this has been one of the more underrated receiving tandems, and I think we've seen some pretty high numbers put up from them, even if you take into account how passing-driven the NFL is now. So it's definitely a situation to keep an eye on, and if they can do some make some moves in the draft I would really think this is another team that given a couple of all they need in reality is a couple of free agents acquisitions that can fit right into what Brandon Staley wants to install into this team and they can really I mean kind of talk about this all the time on this podcast it's the NFL this is you can in one or two years you can really turn around and flip a team into a competitor like that. And that's what we saw in Cincinnati this year. And I think that's really going to encourage teams to be really aggressive. And I think that's a reason why we've seen the quarterback market be such a seller's market in general. Now there's still some guys out there to dry. We have Matt Ryan still on the market. We'll have, we have Aaron Rodgers now signed, which I'm quite surprised that he either not only did he not retire but he didn't go somewhere else either um kind of hit on that a little bit as well but to finish up my chargers point um they made a move later today i think take earlier today um getting a couple of mid-round picks i believe it was a second round pick and a fifth round pick sending khalil mack from the chicago bears to the LA Chargers. So I think we see that as not only just bolstering the defense, but if you're going to have a passing driven division like this loaded with quarterbacks, the best way to counter that, have some good pass rushers, have some good DBs in that division. I think that's another very strong possibility we see from what the Chargers do in the draft. I think we could see them go Jordan Davis. We could see them get one of the key Kair Elam, one of these DBs that's really within this loaded um, secondary class. I think you have a ton of corners that create great value. And then Lewis Seen out of Georgia as well. I think if he doesn't get too overshadowed by Kyle Hamilton, I think can also be a very productive 
NFL safety. So we'll see what some of these other moves are now. Had some mocks where you have George Karloftis going to Denver, but now that Denver has really sold away most of their drafts, we don't see that as a possibility. They a um, little bit more limited on cap space, but I think anytime you can bring a quarterback in, we saw this happen with Tom Brady. Guys are willing to take some pay cuts if it's if their team has a very strong chance of winning games. And I think Russell Wilson is definitely one of those locker room guys that can really, really has a certain amount of gravity to him to where we're going to see some guys do that, go in that direction of going for a league minimum contract to play for a competitive team. And we'll have to see who some of those names are. We're going to take a quick break here. And then I'll touch up on some more signings and then hit on the Calvin Ridley situation in Atlanta as well. So I think definitely the biggest news over the past two days has been the kind of out of the blue extension of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. He gets a contract that's four years, $200 million with $143 million of it fully guaranteed, and he has an opt a player option, and op- he can opt out at um, after any season in the contract. So what do, what do I think about this? I think this is what a lot of people outside of Green Bay are going to think. Why? You clearly see with this roster and its current construction that this, this team just can't get it done when it matters in the playoffs. And I think you... You don't want to clean house, but I don't think continually paying Aaron Rodgers these big contracts, caving to his every need is what you need to do in order to win football games in the playoffs or in the NFC Championship game as well. Um, we saw them kind of we saw them regress by a game to where they lost at home to San Francisco in the divisional round this year behind a very poor offensive performance in general. I don't think you can really tout it up to Aaron Rodgers alone. I think the 49ers really just won this game in the trenches in general. But with this contract, I know you can really move stuff around, convert money to bonuses, things like that. But with how much of this is guaranteed, uh, I I don't see this ending well, and I don't see this ending after year four, I think what what we end up with here, um, especially given uh, the, the crazy amount of media attention surrounding Aaron Rodgers, I I uh, let's let's put it this way: I would not be surprised if after year two of this contract, he is fed up and decides to retire, and then you are left with around $100 million or, or $75 to $100 million um, that you, you still have to pay him, and he's not playing another down for you. I don't know if he would be the type of guy that would pull a Drew Brees and restructure down to a league minimum contract before retirement, but... This this whole team is constructed around Aaron Rodgers. So regardless of even how the cap situation ends up, is is you're you're not really gonna be able to do well. I think if you just put put another quarterback in, 
They truly, they obviously don't trust Jordan Love. So they're in a situation where I think a guy that's pr- probably an incoming freshman in college or uh, maybe, heck, it's maybe it's Brock Vandegrift or one of the numerous five stars that's in the um, Ohio State quarterback room. Maybe it's Quinn Ewers in a few years that they just plan long term. I, I thought that we would maybe see Jordan Love after sitting some games behind Aaron Rodgers. I think this this game that he played very poorly against Kansas City early in the season against one of the lesser defenses in the league, they they truly just obviously lost all confidence in him, and they he he played like a guy that they could have gotten in the third round when they got him in the first round, and that's definitely something that doesn't reflect well on the front office. And even Aaron Rodgers has said himself. If this doesn't end well, I think you see a lot of the the free agency completely drops off because guys are coming to Green Bay to play with Aaron Rodgers because they know a quarterback like that is at least going to put a team in position to win and consistently go to the playoffs to where guys can get their bonuses and play in games that really matter down the stretch of the season. So do I think Green Bay really has a choice? No. Do I still criticize the move and think that they're just prolonging the inevitable by no longer by not rebuilding and kind of scrapping this roster given that I just see that this team has hit its ceiling and you just especially for a franchise as storied as Green Bay you really don't want to see that steady just decline down into no longer being a competitive team this is a franchise that the team, the league itself needs this team to be competitive. But we'll have to see how things shake out. Obviously, I don't think he wanted to go to the AFC West like Russell Wilson did. But that is something that we'll have to wait around till August or September to really see how this situation starts to shake out. Now, the Calvin Ridley situation. I I don't want to be too redundant on this, so I'm not going to spend an insane amount of time on this. I have tweeted about it, so if you pay attention to my Twitter, you probably already have an idea of what I'm about to say. This is just an idiotic move. We, uh, as a Falcons fan, I, I only expected us to really get maybe a second or third round pick for Calvin, and that doesn't happen, but given the suspension and that whole situation, the $11 million that he was owed are no longer going to have to be paid to him. So I think what really would be the true benefit of a trade is still going to happen anyway with us getting $11 million more in cap space off of his franchise tag. But this is something that it. I, I guess I... I think I had a similar take on this about weed now. We've obviously found a lot out a lot more about the medicinal um, positives that come from uh, marijuana as, and cannabis in general and um, CBD, all these things that have come out. But it still was a situation where back in the day, it was a, it was a suspension and it's very clear in the... Um, collective bargaining agreement in the contracts that these guys sign 
that if you got if you tested positive for marijuana, you were going to get suspended. And so it just came off to me, regardless of how you felt about the drug itself, that that's a selfish endeavor to engage in because you're risking your career and risking hurting your your team with a suspension. This is a very similar situation to me. Is gambling being a lot more open to the public and becoming more ingrained in sports culture in general with the emergence of DraftKings and FanDuel and the these different betting services? Yes. Is it still clear and cut and dry in the player um, in the C in the CBA and in these contracts that as a player you can't bet because that's a direct conflict of interest and it throws into the it makes fans question the integrity of the competition itself. Yes. So is it pretty stupid to bet fifteen hundred dollars on a game, especially one that involves your own team? Yeah. It's pretty stupid. So do I have much sympathy in this situation? No. Is it getting to the point now to where I think it's genuinely, it's disingenuous for Calvin to play the mental health card at this point? Yes. This has, I want to be clear, this isn't, I'm not questioning mental health issues as um, something that peop, that NFL players can deal with. I think it's genuine, it's hurtful to those that genuinely deal with mental health issues to, in my opinion at this point, given his betting and what we've seen on Twitter and some of the nonsense he continues to put out in this situation when he really should just log off of social media, think he's spitting in the face of people that deal with these mental health issues every single day. And I think he's making it up to get out of playing a season with a bad team. Do I think there's a possibility that Julio Jones got into his ear with how he left Atlanta? Possibly. I don't want to say he did or didn't. I don't think we'll ever know until maybe 10 years down the line. But even then, Julio made sacrifices for the franchise. He played with a turf toe for probably half his career. He made plays when it counted. He was a large reason that the franchise had its a historic season in 2016 and made it to the Super Bowl. And he did probably everything in his power to win that Super Bowl. And I think that's where a lot of his frustration resulted from anyway. Calvin was not in that situation. He was a rookie, a 24-year-old rookie in 2018, and he's not been on a Falcons franchise that has finished the season above 500. 7-9 is the best record he's had, and a lot of those situations, the record is kind of artificially inflated because the team was already out of the playoff race by the middle of October. So I, I... I am even I'm that much more frustrated with this because it's kind of you're kind of fooled by him being still on his rookie contract. He's he's 28. There are guys that have been in the league a lot longer than him that are younger because they were early exits and he was a fifth year guy out of Alabama. So this is definitely not the age you would expect from a guy to do something like this. Um, so 
I hope if if those issues still exist with him that he gets those figured out. I hope he comes to an understanding of what he, of why what he did was pretty freaking idiotic. And I I mean I I just luckily this doesn't really hurt the Falcons situation with the cap as much. I would have liked to have an extra mid-round pick just with how down this roster is, but I think this is something that it's really in the long run probably wouldn't make much of a difference at all outside of just the PR situation that this creates around the franchise. That's already enough of a meme in general. So at this point, can we just get the football started already or get the draft started just so I can be distracted by somebody at something else? We probably going to see some more, Obviously, we're going to see some more free agent moves later on, but just keep this out of the, the media circulation, please. Get Calvin off of Twitter. I don't know what else to do, but um, we'll see how this free agency situation shakes out. And we also got uh, baseball back. I'll talk a little bit more in a later episode about um, what I think about the new um, tentative agreement, how I felt about this overall uh, negotiation situation in general with Major League Baseball, and what uh, I expect the Braves to do with this Freddie Freeman contract situation that we haven't really been able to hit much on since December because of the talks not being allowed between agents and teams. So uh, I just want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Hopeless Sports Mantid podcast. If you don't already, please make sure to follow me on Twitter at TaylorBell222 to get sports takes. And um, I think some funny memes throughout the day. And uh, also make sure to check me out on Saturday mornings on the Southern Gentleman Sports Show at WeAreSportsRadio.com. It's led by Georgia Dog, Irish Bill, and some uh, other great personalities. I think Pac-12 Dave as well I want to include there as well. Great radio show to really kick back and listen to on your Saturday mornings centered around college football. Uh, I'm Taylor, and this is the Hopeless Sports Magic Podcast.